The views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, advertising partners, or ownership of Forever Communications. It's time for the Tri-State Sports Podcast, presented by Jerry Ward Autoplex and the Hawks Nest. Now, here are your hosts, John Thornton and Jordan Taylor. And welcome in. It is the Tri-State Sports Program on RadioNWTN.com, Froggy 99.3 Facebook Live, and later this week on WENK. John Thornton, Jordan Taylor, we are joined this week by perhaps the busiest man in West Tennessee sports media. He is the one and only Mr. Michael Odom. Thank you so much for coming on and carving the time out as he gets ready to make a road trip again tonight, Michael. Yeah, back to Murfreesboro. Um 11 teams in the state tournament should be an exciting week. Yeah, we've got plenty. Is that the most you can remember having in it, Michael, as far as what you cover? Yes. I mean, there are some years where we have four and two A, but, you know, we were back in three classes. So I I can remember four and two and two. I can remember eight, but never 11. Wow. Yeah. Going to be a ton of fun. We'll unpack all of that. It was an eventful weekend as far as girls' high school basketball. Their tournament brackets are set. Boys' substate games are tonight. We'll get some thoughts from Michael on those later in the show. Uh, obviously, we've got quite a bit of ground to cover today. It is conference tournament week in college basketball. We are, what, about two weeks-ish away from March Madness. So uh, it is almost here Plenty going on in the sports world. We're going to get into it with the local headlines. But as we begin, as always, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at John underscore MT18. You can follow Jordan at JT underscore 1823. You can follow the Froggy handle, which you'll want to do tonight, NWTN underscore Froggy as Union City on the road at Giles County in Substate. I'll be getting on the road here in, I guess, about three-ish hours. Um, Long drive to Pulaski tonight, so... Uh, if you want to follow for updates or you can watch our live stream, which we will get to live stream tonight because Giles County does not do NFHS. The also known as the golden child of the TSSAA. Um, we also have the radio feeds. If you can't watch online, you can listen on Froggy 99.3 or radio NWTN.com. You can text us on the text line at 731-885-9999. You can also tweet at our guest today, Michael Odom, sports editor for the Milan Mirror Exchange at GS or GC Sports Writer on Twitter, his new handle, which has grown, Michael, after your old one was um, hacked, I guess. by Did we ever discover the source of your hack of your Twitter account? He was in the Netherlands. Ah. It was a Dutch person. And you do not speak Dutch. Interesting tweets. Interesting. Interesting. And you do not speak Dutch. I still follow the account just because I'm trying to keep up. I I haven't decided what to do with it because it's got the blue check mark and I've got access to it. But we've also started this one, so I don't know. I guess I'll decide here soon. <laughs> well, because of our buddy Elon, you can buy the blue check for your new account, I guess. You could always do yeah. that. <laughs> Let's get into the local headlines of the week. We will save the high school basketball conversation for later in the show. It's going to get its own segment because there is so much to dive into with that. Uh, We'll start with Tennessee football. Obviously, we had several Vol representatives at the Combine over the past week. Will Anderson, with some high praise for offensive tackle Darnell Wright, said he was the best tackle I faced in college. And then off the field, four former Jeremy Pruitt staffers were given three- to five-year show causes from the NCAA for their their roles in Tennessee's 18 Level 1 violations. And, you know, Jordan, the more I read into this, the more – 
this still has not been resolved between Tennessee and the NCAA. Tennessee had already kind of instigated some self-imposed punishments, but the NCAA is not quite satisfied, and so talks are ongoing. And, you know, for the NCAA, they're thinking it would look really bad for us to hammer Tennessee when they've already punished themselves. So they're trying to figure out what they want to do, but uh, still kind of a mess between the Tennessee and the NCAA, but let's act surprised. Yeah, not surprised. Uh, you know, it's it's been ongoing for a while now. It's just um, they keep finding new things, it, it seems, uh, and, and it seems like we, we constantly have more news about uh, this whole situation, what Pruitt left at Tennessee. Not surprised by that. Uh, I will say that, obviously, Will Anderson is one of the best players, supposedly, in this draft, and, and at least, you know, most people are talking about him being a top-five pick, if not a top-two pick. Um, so getting that praise for Darnell Wright's big, I mean, obviously – uh, going into the combine, the senior bowl before that, uh, a lot of people were talking about Darnell Wright, the year he had for Tennessee at tackle. And uh, he's a player that should be able to uh, transition into the next level and be a really good tackle in the league. And I think that when a guy like that, that's that good of a defender, uh, makes that compliment. I mean, that says a lot for sure. And obviously in that Alabama game, you know, it says a lot when Will Anderson has virtually no impact on that, that game because of what Darnell Wright was able to do. So, Definitely uh, some high praise and good to hear that from him. In Titans news, Rand Carthon says that the Titans are moving forward with Ryan Tannehill as its quarterback. He also says it's cute and sexy to play Golden State Warriors football in September and October when the weather is good, but the teams that play in January play tough defense and run the football. And, and I, I will say, as the outsider here, and as far as the Titans go, um, while I see where he's coming from on his his second statement there, Jordan, um, it, it also behooves you to have a really, really good quarterback to win in January and in February. And, I mean, at the end of the day, the Titans have relied on running the football in tough defense, and they have yet to, to, to win the title. So are you concerned at all with Randy Carter? That's exactly right. I mean, look at the last 10 Super Bowl winners. I think uh, maybe the 2016 Broncos, the – the 2013 Seahawks, those may be the two that depended on defense and running the football. Uh, but if you look at the really good teams in the NFL right now, they can throw the football. They're explosive on offense. Obviously, you still got to be able to run the ball a little bit. But, you know, a shutdown defense and running for two or three yards a pop is not winning games as much anymore. So uh, I wouldn't say I'm concerned. I, I do get what he's saying. Uh, and that's kind of what Vrabel wants in Tennessee. So he's just trying to back him up there. But I will say I've never seen the Golden State Warriors play football, so I don't understand what he's what he's talking <laughs> about there. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. What do you think about the Titans GM hire, Michael? It, it's an interesting one. You know, I, I thought that things were going in the right direction with Robinson, and I, I don't. I don't know. I, I I'm still stuck on the why did they get rid of him? I, I don't know if I completely agree with that. Yeah, it was uh, certainly. A shocking twist when that happened, um, and obviously the timing was very interesting uh, yes, on the heels of AJ Brown torching them mid-season. But um, <laughs> anyway, John Robinson no longer the GM. We'll see what Rand Carthon can do, and obviously he's going to get his first big test as the draft approaches, and obviously the combine wraps up. Uh, let's move to the Grizzlies, where there is plenty of uh, drama to unpack here. Um, so it started off as a really good week in Memphis with uh, John Morant dropping 28 points in the third quarter, the most by any player in a quarter this year. They destroyed the Lakers on a Tuesday night. 
Jaron Jackson had a, an emphatic putback slam as he literally I almost straddled Anthony Davis on the putback. So that was really fun. And I say that to say the events of the next day, to me, were not much of a coincidence. Not that uh, they they are justified with what we found out about what happened with John Morant last summer, but uh, the fact that one of these stories was reported first in January and then all of a sudden the next day the Washington Post is re-reporting one story about Ja getting into a fight with a teenager who threw a ball at him during a pickup game and then flashed a gun at him. And then the next one comes out about a, a dispute at the mall with his mother and threatening comments-ish to an employee at the finish line. Um, and then obviously you've got all that packaged with the kerfuffle or, or altercation with the Pacers in January. And then it, it's capped off by Saturday morning, Friday night, um, an Instagram live video of him flashing a gun at a strip club. It was not a good week to be uh, Mr. John Morant, um, who has now stepped away from the Grizzlies. Taylor Jenkins says there is no timetable for his return, but the organization is going to hold him accountable for his poor choices and actions. Jalen Rose had a really good kind of heartfelt plea for him, which I agreed with him. And, and Jordan, you had sent me this. And, and Rose, I think the big point that I, I think was really good was the good side of this is it's happening while he while Josh younger and there's a chance for him to and it's happened before he has done something incredibly stupid none of this you know the the crux of this is yes the gun stuff keeps coming up but we're lucky that nothing that cannot be undone has happened yet which would put Ja in jail for a really really long time and destroy what has become a really promising NBA career um, and it's good to see that the Grizzlies are trying to hold him accountable, but uh, not not a good week to for John Moran and not not a good look. Um, story after story coming out, and uh, hopefully now as he steps away, the Grizzlies can focus on the court and let him clear up whatever he's got to clear up. But uh, clearly some bad influences have uh, gotten a hold of him in the past few months. Michael, what have you made of all the John Morant news? Uh, I think this is the – Typical story of a of the spotlight being too big and somebody not being ready for it. Uh, you know, he, he came on the scene and there's so much, and, and the spotlight has just grown. And I don't think he's dealt uh, with that spotlight very well. Um, he, he's allowed negative influences uh, to lead to direct his path, uh, and, and he's gone down some paths that shouldn't have been. But like you said. It's still early. It, it's nothing. His career's not ruined yet. Uh, and so this is when um, some of those influential people in the NBA need to get involved uh, and kind of settle him down and, and show him that, you know, his career is more important. Jordan, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, you know, I don't really have a whole lot to add. I mean, I, I don't, I don't quite understand why he's doing what he's doing. Um, this is not the guy that we watched in college at Murray State. Um, this is not how he acted. You know, you can remember following him during games, watching him play. He was very, you know, it's not that he was classless on the court, even in the NBA, but he was just a very um, utmost respect type of guy, you know, even in his interviews and things like that. So I'm just, I'm actually shocked, John. I'm shocked that he's he's taking this, this road here. 
Um, but again, going back to what Michael just said, you give somebody some some fame and um, a big spotlight and a little bit of money, and and obviously he's got people telling him uh, he's a really good player. He could be something really special, which he is. Uh, but I think he's just letting all that get get the most of him for sure. What makes what doesn't make any sense to me is, and I guess you know this goes to getting caught up in the wrong crowds off the floor, and by all accounts, his upbringing was really good. And then you've got your teammate, and I'm going to shout out your, your Michigan State alum there, uh, Michael. Jaron Jackson, who by all accounts is high-class individual, uh, now the vice president of the NBA Players Association, is like on his homeowner or homeowners association board. Um, you know, a, a guy you, you want to see as a model citizen. And then Ja is, is over here doing the opposite. Uh, I mm. mean, uh, and look, I mean, I'm not saying – Obviously, no charges have been pressed on anything yet, but it doesn't look good when your superstar face of the franchise is getting into a fight with a teenager over a pickup game or he's confronting an employee at the mall because his mom's getting into an argument. None of that looks good. I mean, or the Pacers stuff. I mean, immature. Yes, very immature. immature. Um, And so here's hoping that as Ja has, has, you know, he owned up to it over the weekend, and now you hope that uh, somebody will get a hold of him and, and, uh, he will be willing to purge the negative influences out of his life or and uh, become a more positive influence. But uh, he's got to grow up, and he's got to grow up quick. Um, in other news, Dylan Brooks is out uh, going after Draymond, saying, I don't like Draymond at all. If you put him anywhere else, you're not going to know who Draymond is. And Brandon Clark tore his Achilles and is going to miss the remainder of the season. So uh, it was just a horrible week as a Grizzlies fan. I'm just, I'm just here to tell you guys. It was terrible. What do, you, what do you make of Dylan Brooks' comments about your uh, Michigan State alum there, Michael? Leave Draymond Green alone. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> He's just fine. Leave him alone. <laughs> oh, man. It was uh, a rough week in Memphis, man. It was a rough week. It was. Um, it's also been a rough time on Rocky Top basketball-wise as the Vols did defeat Arkansas on senior night, but Zakai Ziegler blows out his ACL, so he is done for the year. And then Tennessee lost in the regular season finale at Auburn and will be the number five seed in the SEC tournament. And uh, so the up and down trajectory continues, Jordan. This team has not been very good on the road. And now they head into March on Alabama's side of the bracket in Nashville. And it's it's going to be a tough road. But the good news is you, you figured you're still going to be in March. But, uh, you know, you got to find some consistency and, and get to playing better ba- basketball. Yeah, I just don't know how they're going to score. Uh, that's that's the the main thing. Um, you know, they it's it, they're confused. They don't know who to give the ball to late in the game or when they need a bucket in the middle of the game. When they, you know they go on those droughts. I mean, we've seen it throughout the entire year. They've they've gone on four to five minute droughts without scoring. And if you want to win games, you you cannot do that. And I understand this goes back to talking about what we were talking about earlier with defense. Uh, it's it's good to play defense. It's great to have a great defense. You know, one of the best defenses in the country. But when you can't score the ball in a basketball game, you're not going to win many games. Um, I think they beat Auburn earlier in the year, 46-43 or something like that. Yep. yep. Uh, you're not going to win a whole lot of those games in college basketball nowadays. So you got to find a way to score. Um, and and you know, you, losing Ziegler, I mean, that definitely hurts. I did think they played well without him in the back half of that game against Arkansas. Uh, but Saturday was just – they're very inconsistent. I mean, that's that's just what it is, and you don't know what team you're going to get. Um, so we'll just see what, what happens moving forward. But 
I mean, it's not going to shock me at all to see them get eliminated from the SEC tournament early or the NCAA tournament early. It would not shock me at all because they just simply can't score the ball um, consistently. I think their first game is Thursday. Thursday. Um, yeah, they're the number five seed. What were you going to say there, Michael? Uh, Jason James would argue with you that that you can't, can't win games with defense. Yeah. <laughs> look, at, look at the 2021-22 Milan team. Yeah. They were not the great scoring team, but – they played for a title. They did. But college is a little different than high school. It right. is indeed. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little tougher. Well, and they got to, you know, now they've, they've choked away a top four seed. So you got to win four games in four days, which, Michael, I'm going to get your thoughts on this because you, you, you cover the state tournament. And obviously, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there's a day in between. Because Southside's Tuesday. If they win, they got to play Thursday. And if they win, it's Saturday. Why in the SEC? And I understand you got to squish everything into a small week. And the OVC was this way this past week. Why do they make it where you have to play four ball games in four days? You don't do that all year. So that that just shocks me that, that it's set up like that. It's called TV money. <laughs> <laughs> it's they, they want, I mean, the TV wants to get it all in. And you don't want to drag out the postseason too much. Right. TWSAA in their postseason. <laughs> you don't want to drag it out too much, but. It's a lot to play four games in four days, or, you know, to make that run in the conference tournament. And but I think the committee also weighs that when they're trying to figure out the sixty-eight um, teams that go in, into the tournament. Uh, you know, yes, the, you you play these, but how much did the season count as to trying to play four games in four days? Right. Well, and to your point, Jordan, you know, even when you get to March Madness, they play every other day. Right. And then if you get to the next weekend, I mean, you get three, four days off before, you you know, if you, you survive the round of 64, round of 32, and you get to the Sweet 16, I mean, Sweet 16 doesn't start till Thursday, so you're going to get a Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday off before you right. play. And, you know, the, the conversation this weekend was they choked away a top four seed, they would have had the double bye. Yes, they would have, but they still, even as a top four seed, you got to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday if you keep winning. Yeah. So that's three days. So three you're games, the number yeah. one overall seed. <laughs> it doesn't change much. You know, you do have to win that extra game if you're five or below. But it's uh, it's just shocking to me it's set up like it is, especially with that many teams. No doubt about that. Uh, looking back at last week's OVC tournament, UT Martin's women's team fell in their first-round game as the number five seed to Moorhead State, 72-68. So their season comes to an end as it went an upset. And then the men did win a game – uh, but it obviously ended in some controversy because of a fight that took place. Um, they were shorthanded after two ejections on their side. SIUE had an ejection as well. But uh, down 10 with 350, I think, left in the game. They went on a 17-1 to run, closed the game, and beat SIUE to get to the semifinals. But then run out of gas the next night is obviously they really only had seven guys that were going to be able to play. A couple of the key guys in Jordan Sears, Chris Nix, get into early foul trouble, and they just couldn't get the deal done against Tennessee Tech. Um, so their season's come to an end. But obviously, Jordan, a lot to be positive about with this men's program at UT Martin and, and how good they were this year. Um, it's been a while since we've seen them be that good. Definitely took a step in the right direction, for sure. Um, I think that you know, when you get down, it's – Similar to what we were just talking about. Uh, they had some injuries. They had a, uh, you know, with the playing the day before, they had the ejection and somebody else getting thrown out because they got involved with it, which was a complete joke. We don't get yes. me going on that because I was watching the game. That was a complete 
joke the way that all went down. Yes. Um, I don't know how you throw out two guys from the team that didn't even start the fight, but you. How do you throw the guy who threw who got punched out? Right. He didn't even. I mean, he did chase him, but what else? I mean, we're all going to chase somebody that punches us in the face. I mean, that's that's going to happen. But he didn't even get a. You know, he didn't even punch him back. But anyway, I I didn't understand how that went down. But when you look at this team, what they had to deal with, and having to play uh, multiple games, multiple days, obviously. consecutive days and then being down to seven guys. I mean, that's um, – they fought. They fought. I mean, I thought early in the game that they played well against Tech. They just couldn't uh, – really couldn't overcome the hump. And Tech was shooting the ball better, too, from three. So um, – but, I mean, like you said, took it took the right step forward this year. I do expect them to uh, be back in the conversation again. And um, I'm just going to put this out there because it's, it's the truth and this is how I really feel. Uh, I think Simo, who won the tournament – and even UT Martin, some of these other teams probably need to send a thank you note to uh, Murray State, Belmont, and Jacksonville State for leaving the conference. Yes, um, because this was this wasn't the best college basketball I've seen in the conference tournament. I'll just leave that there. Um, but you know, thankfully that there, there was somebody from the OEC that gets to advance and get that automatic ticket, and that happened to be Semo this year. And uh, in, in in saying that, you also did not see Murray State or Belmont get an automatic bid either. So, um, congratulations to them. You moved to the MVC, and now you get to watch just like everybody else in the OVC from your couch. Um, maybe they'll get an NIT bid. I don't know. But and Murray State said, was like five hundred this year, which kind of shocked me. I mean, they were like, Murray. Murray struggled in yeah. the MVC. Let's take a quick break. We will come back. We'll get into some of the national headlines, including some breaking news from the NFL this morning. Stay tuned. More coming after this on the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-size cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex, Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at jerrywardautoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't dream it, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Segment number two on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. We'll get into the national headlines, a little bit of breaking news and plenty to talk about from the NFL, but we will start with the news of the day. Derek Carr is closing in on a four-year deal to sign with the Saints to be their new quarterback and to hopefully, in their eyes at least, end the quarterback carousel that has been going on down in New Orleans. That is the big news of the day. Some other headlines from last week that we will uh, mention, and we'll kind of open it up here and go wherever the conversation takes us. The Eagles have proposed to bring back the number zero to NFL jerseys. The Bengals director of player personnel says that Cincinnati not planning to trade T. Higgins. The Bucks are going to release Leonard Fournette. The Giants will release Kenny Galladay as well. Aaron Rodgers has emerged from his darkness retreat and says that a decision about his future is coming soon. Says he, quote-unquote, found an inner peace and the retreat changed his perspective. So I don't know whatever he smoked while he was in there, but um, it is Aaron Rodgers, so that is um, that is where we currently stand. The Raiders are planning to franchise tag Josh Jacobs. The Jags plan to use it for Evan Ingram. The Jets are the new favorites to land Aaron Rodgers if he doesn't stay in Green Bay. Top defensive lineman prospect in the NFL draft, Jalen Carter, was arrested last week on misdemeanor charges for an involvement in the car accident that killed 
the Georgia football player after the national championship game. Bryce Young ended up being listed at five foot ten in his combine measurements. The NFL Players Association did a survey of thirteen hundred teams that revealed a free agent. This was kind of their free agency report card rankings. The top three were the Vikings, Dolphins, and the Raiders, with the bottom three, the Chargers, Cardinals, and Commanders. The Cardinals reportedly charged their own players to eat in their own facility. Um, that's pretty ridiculous. Jerry Jones wants the Cowboys to keep Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know how they're going to work that out, but uh, good luck. I don't know why you still want Zeke on your team, but you know, good luck, Jerry. And then this one will be finalized tomorrow. We'll kind of have a better idea of this. The Ravens say they have their best offer in front of Lamar Jackson, but there is a very real possibility they use the non-exclusive franchise tag on him, which drops the price from $45 million to 32.4, but allows other teams to negotiate with Lamar, but the Ravens have the right to match. If he signed elsewhere, the Ravens would get two first-round picks they have until tomorrow to tag him if they're going to do that. So a lot going on there in the NFL. Gentlemen, where do we want to start with unpacking all of these? That was from one extreme to the the other. I mean, that was all over the place. I mean, that yes. was a, a lot of headlines. Uh, Derek Carr obviously signing with the Saints. I mean, I mentioned right before the show, uh, the Saints have not drafted a – quarterback in the first or second round since 1971 and that was Archie Manning so they're continuing to sign these guys and not draft a quarterback early in the draft so that's definitely something which some of those late round picks have have, uh, really panned out for them too so Um, but you look at you look at all these headlines there's a lot to unpack here Uh, but I kind of want to throw this over because we always do this we always ask our guests this question Michael Odom how do you feel about the uh, Aaron Rodgers situation I've always wanted to go on a darkness retreat. <laughs> I mean, four days in complete darkness. I mean, what's not to love? Yeah. Isn't that what happened with your old Twitter account? Darkness? Yeah. Yeah. It went dark all right. Okay. S- serious question. How long would you last in the darkness retreat before you went nuts? I don't know that I'd last a day, honestly. I don't know that I could do it. I was thinking eight hours. (laughs) (laughs) Where does he end up? Where does Aaron Rodgers end up, Michael? That's a great question. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Insane, maybe. (laughs) Well, yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. Good luck, Jordan, to, uh, good luck to Jerry Jones, too, because uh, yes. I, don't, I don't know how you're going to keep both of them. Pollard's the guy you need to keep, by the way. Just yes, yes. Well, <laughs> but I, I just – this is what I told someone the other day. Why do you – I mean, Zeke is really nothing more than a, a glorified goal line back at this point. I mean, you, you're not going to use him unless you're inside the 20, inside the 10-yard line. Pollard is a Swiss Army knife. You can use him for, for anything. And I just don't – I don't get the infatuation with Zeke. I really don't. Um, anything else from these headlines you guys want to touch on? Oh, let's see here. I was going to say, there is a lot. The, the Lamar situation is probably the next biggest thing. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff there that, I mean, is obviously good information, but it would be hard to cover it all in our short time here. But, I mean, Lamar – the Mars situation is is pretty wild. I mean, he's obviously demanding. He wants a lot of money because of what Deshaun Watson got last year. But um, I'm not so sure they shouldn't move on for him. How do you feel about it, Michael? Yeah, I don't 
he's worth money a good amount i i don't know if he's worth as much as they're as he's wanting to get out of them uh for the long run yeah yeah and with the injury concerns with him and his mobility that that's where you're kind of you know do we really want to invest in a guy long term that we just don't know if you know and especially if he signs elsewhere you get two first round picks if you use this this non-exclusive tag then I mean I can use a first round pick maybe not this year but next you know tank for a year and then next year draft another quarterback and and you know retool things so yeah I, I don't know it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out we'll know uh, by tomorrow um, but that's been an ongoing situation for quite a while now um, to the NBA where it's been an interesting return from the All Star break had a lot of interesting results lately LeBron's injury is worse than thought he is out with a right foot tendon injury. Will be reevaluated in three weeks. Giannis and Predator star Philip Forsberg, Philip Forsberg, joined ownership of the MLS's Nashville SC. So that's kind of an interesting note there. The Nets came back from 28 down to beat the Celtics last week. Steph Curry returned to the Warriors, but they continued to struggle as Anthony Davis is 39, won that game. Thriller last night. I got to watch the end of this one. The Knicks defeated the Celtics in double overtime. They've quietly won. Nine in a row, Luka Doncic and Devin Booker get into a little kerfuffle as Luka missed a late shot. They continue to jaw back and forth. Um, and Udonis Haslam, who apparently is still currently an NBA player, is actually going to retire from the Miami Heat at the end of the season. So any thoughts on any of those from the NBA? I guess they got tired of keeping a roster spot for him because for I guess years so. he's, he's kept a jumpsuit on and sat on the bench with Miami and helped him coach. So maybe they're – they're going to put him in a suit now and have him in the second row behind the bench instead of on the front row. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's what they're looking at here. But um, he's been playing basketball a very long time for sure. Yes, yes. Michael, anything stick out? Uh, not off the top of my head, though. Not not. It's it's yeah. I mean, will the Lakers make the playoffs? Huh? Yeah. Will the Lakers, Lakers going to make the playoffs? The Lake. Yes, I think the Lakers will make the playoffs. Ah, okay. Despite no LeBron for the next month. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they have the pieces outside of LeBron that to at least make the playoffs. Um, now, now he's going to have to come back and have a strong um, couple weeks uh, yeah. if they're going to have any success after that. But, yeah. We'll see how that pans out. In Major League Baseball, we've seen a boost of offense because of the new ban on shifts. Um, one of the new rule changes that were put into effect. Max Scherzer had a double play wiped out for a pitch clock violation as that continues to have an effect on things. And seven Cubs pitter, pitchers combined to no-hit the Padres. Michael, obviously we've seen the debut of these new rule changes in the, the bigs down in spring training. Any thoughts on those as those get implemented this year in the regular season? You know, the baseball people that I know around here have really felt negatively about uh, the changes that have been made. It, it just feels like too much. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's really ruined the flow uh, of the game uh, with the pitch clock and the no shifts. And there's just, I, I don't know. It's it, it's just, I don't think it's affected the game in a positive way. Well, I think there are a lot of baseball traditionalists who um, – would highly agree with that sentiment. I, I know I, you know, Jordan even said last week, you're not a big fan of it, Jordan. No, not, I'm not at all. I mean, I, I don't understand why 
you're making that many change. I understand like trying some different things, but throwing in that much at one time to me is just it's just too much. Yeah. Um, on the college football front, we discussed this uh, a couple of weeks ago. The college football power players are debating new uh, new three new rule changes that are in the they're, they're saying in the name of player safety, but really they're trying mm-hmm. to cut down on the timeline of these games. Uh, yes. Seven to eight minutes of, of time would probably, on average, in seven plays a game, would be taken off if these rules were implemented. They're trying to implement a running clock after first downs, except in the final two minutes of the half. Um, coaches would no longer be able to call consecutive timeouts and removing untimed downs at the end of the first and the third quarter, carrying penalties over into the next quarter. So we'll get some thoughts on that. Charlie Strong will be the latest Alabama analyst, or if you want to call it the coaching rehab program down in Tuscaloosa. Um, And in the Big 12, trying to raid the Pac-12, they've begun talks with Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State about joining the Big 12. So any thoughts on any of these offseason college football news? Michael? <sighs> um, I, you know, the double timeouts doesn't really affect me. Um, okay, we don't call double timeouts. That's a rarity anyways. Yeah. The the, the first one, it just slipped my mind. <laughs> I was just thinking of it. Um, running clock. Oh, the running clock, yeah. yeah. I don't – I don't know. That, that one – there's some positives and negatives. Uh, we're talking, I don't know. It allows the college game to, to for the place to, to set up more. Um, and that's I, I don't know that that one. I don't know if that's going to be a positive. Yeah. I, what did you I think, think the issue? I think the ahead. issue when you do a running clock, um, you know, and they they're even talking about doing it after incompletion after they spot the ball. So if you do that, how are, how is that going to work? Because if you don't have any timeouts late in the game and you spike the ball, that's an incomplete pass. You're telling me when they, you know, reset the ball, respot the ball, that the clock's going to start back again? Now that's just – I don't know how that's going to work because that's, that's a conversation I'm seeing being had as well. Yeah. I, you know, they're doing it in the name of player safety and they're saying these games are too long. Well, here, here's an opportunity. <laughs> well – if you think they're too long, stop taking a commercial break every five minutes. There's your solution. Quit taking the commercial break after every kickoff, after every extra point. That's what pays the bills, John. That's what pays the bills. You got to understand that. You don't need that many. You don't. College football sells itself. So, I mean, yeah. A couple other last-minute things before we get out of this segment. North Carolina is the first preseason AP number one to lose 12 games in a season. That's pretty crazy. The PGA Tour has ratified two new changes for next season. 36-hole cuts have been eliminated, and designated events, which were introduced this season, will have reduced fields of 70 to 80 players. The Live Tour took a shot saying they had an effect on that, and they probably are not far from the truth. Um, former Tennessee quarterback and current XFL quarterback was released from the XFL for sharing plays with other teams. Um, not a good look for Quentin Dormady. Um, and then John Bones Jones won the heavyweight title in his UFC return. So anything else from these kind of miscellaneous group here stand out before we take a break? I have no idea what Quentin Dormady's doing. I don't either. Um, 
No, and for the XFL to be successful, there can't be these negative looks for it. No. I mean, it's already up against the wall and really fighting uh, for TV space and and viewership. You you can't have these negative looks. No. No, not at all. Uh, Any thoughts on that PGA Tour note there? Well, I was going to, before, I'm not a golf guy. I can pass the golf stuff to Michael if he likes golf. But I will say that I I do like, I do like the fact that North Carolina has been crap this year. Of course you do. I do enjoy that. Just throwing it out there. Big fan. Yeah. I I agree. I think that the the Live Tours uh, definitely had an effect on the PGA. Um, But I don't think cutting the field is a bad thing. Um, People don't really care about some of the ones that are shooting way at the bottom. So. Oh, that's true. And it makes it more competitive in that it's harder to get into these events. And okay. it makes, you know, that, that'll at least make it a little bit more fun on the tour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will get into the girls' state tournament, which starts this week in high school girls basketball, the sectionals from over the weekend, as well as preview tonight's sub-state games for the boys. Stay tuned. More coming up on the other side on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Are you looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams? It's the Hawks Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. On Mondays, $3 well shots and $1 90 light cans. Also, weekly cornhole tournaments with $10 blind draws. Sign ups at 6 and bags fly at 7. Titsy Tuesdays, trivia night, $2 well tequila shots, $2 90 cans, two-for-one well shots, and also $2 tacos. Wednesday, wing Wednesday with 50-cent wings. Karaoke on Thursday and each and every weekend, live music. So be sure to stop by and support your favorite local bands at the Hawks Nest at 105 Church Street in Martin. Segment three on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex as it is Girls State Tournament Week in high school basketball here in the state of Tennessee. And what we believe is a record 11 teams from West Tennessee are headed to Murfreesboro this week to compete for gold balls. And so we'll just break this down division by division well, uh, Saturday night was sectional night in the girls' side of things. We'll start with single A, McKenzie back to the, the state tournament after defeating Huntland 67-57. to Dresden back as well, crushing Westwood 69-46. to And P- Peabody ekes one out past Memphis Middle College 53-49. to So the single A bracket for single A or for the 1A teams will look like this. Dresden drawing Wayne County in the first round. They look to avenge last year's 76-55 to loss to Wayne County in the semifinals and Peabody matching up with McKenzie on the other side of the bracket. So, Michael, thoughts on the single-A results in the bracket this week? Not a lot not a lot of surprises for me in the single-A bracket. Um, you know, we knew once Dresden and, and Peabody made it to sectionals that they'd win and make it up there. No surprise with McKenzie. Uh, you know, they're – Back to full strength, Savannah Davis is back and healthy and uh, playing really good basketball, right? Tough draw, though, for Peabody. Uh, Peabody's down two starters. Uh, Michaela Skinner tore ACL. uh, About two weeks left to go in the regular season. Uh, And then Niaja Luton uh, got ejected from the region championship, so she missed sectionals. Uh, She'll also miss the McKenzie game, so it would be the – State semifinals wow. before she's back in the game. Uh, so I, I think Peabody and Dresden got really, really tough draws 
Um, because I think those are the two teams uh in class A that are gonna make the state title game. What's that, Wayne County and McKenzie? Yes. Isn't that wasn't that last year's state title game as well? That last, well yeah. Well, oh, that yeah. was that was last year's. I wonder why they're not playing in the first round then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. That, that's not an issue in 1A. We can talk about that in 2A, 3A, and 4A. Oh, I didn't even know it was in 4A. I had to be looked I, at 4A. Well, it's I read. not a rematch, but Bearden and Bradley Central, one's undefeated, one has one loss, and they've been one and two all year, and they're playing in the first round. Who does these draws, dadgummit? I mean, uh, he's going to – if if your buddy – I'm trying to think of his name there. Who's the guy in Middle Tennessee that's the – Tom Krieger. Tom yes, Krieger. he he put out all the information there last night about why it happens. It had something to do with regions, and you can't play the same person in your region. I'm gonna let Michael explain all that in a minute, but we can we can get on the two A because I'm I want to know if that is the truth because if so, that does make it very hard to make matchups. I will so say let's that. go let's go to the two A sectionals, which four West Tennessee teams from two A are headed to Murfreesboro. Micah Hart leads an incredible performance by Gibson County on the road. They defeat Loretto. They're back to the, the state tournament for the fifth straight year. Westview defeats Summertown at home. They're going back to Murfreesboro for the 11th straight year after a 58-48 win. Scotts Hill destroys Manassas 70-27. They're headed to the borough as well. And Riverside crushes Hillcrest. They're back to state for the second straight year after a 65-22 win. So the 2A wow. bracket looks like this as far as West Tennessee goes. Gibson County draws Riverside. Scotts Hill draws Community. And as we alluded to, Westview will take on York Institute in a rematch of last year's 2A state final. Westview won that game 47-37. to So they opened their title defense in Murfreesboro with a rematch of their, the runner-up from last year. So how does this happen, Michael? And we'll get to this in 3A too. How do you end up with a rematch of the two teams from the state final last year in the first round? It's a blind draw. I wish they would publicize it like they used to, you know, used to, you would have coaches go up, pick a number, put it in the bingo hopper. They roll the bingo hopper and numbers would come out and that's how it would show up in the bracket. Now it's kind of closed door and it was kind of, you know, Saturday night, I was up till two o'clock writing. So nothing came out Saturday or yeah, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I get up to take my daughter to her volleyball tournament and all of a sudden, the bracket's online. So it was just like, where did this come from? Uh, and for the fact that you've got Westview and York Institute playing each other in the first round is highway robbery. Yep. Uh, those Not only are those probably the two best teams, those feature the top two players in Class 2A this year. Uh, Westview's got Jada Harrison, uh, the MTSU signee that, signed out, that scored over 2,000 points. York Institute's got Reese Beatty, uh, who's just fun to watch. She's just a sophomore. Um, they're going to have great things ahead of them. But one of these two is not going to make it uh, past Thursday. And that's the, the sad part. We'll talk about that again in 3A. Uh, but, you know, that alone is worth going up for on Thursday to watch Westview and York Institute. Because I think whoever wins that's easily going to make the title game. Right. You you, so you, you think, just mentioned you just mentioned it though. You just mentioned it though, and I'm I'm asking about what he put on Twitter last night. Is that correct? Where you it was something along the lines of you cannot play a team in your region on that side of the bracket. 
So that right. makes it harder to. You know, that's a lot bigger on the next one, but you cannot play region teams. Gotcha. Uh, so Scotts Hill and Riverside could not be drawn on the same side. So that makes it harder. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gibson County and Westview could not be drawn on the same side. Yeah. Yeah. I South think Gibson those are the only four. Yeah. Um, in the two A bracket, but it, it does. It makes it a lot harder. So when they do the bingo hopper, you know that number. You know, let's say Gibson County came up first, and then Westview came up second. Well, Westview would just be put to the side right, down to the bottom. Yeah, yeah. They'd be, and then once we got to the bottom half of the bracket, Westview go back in the bingo hopper. Well, that completely changed. You there and everything pushes down and it's that makes sense. You know, makes it hard. Totally different look. Yeah. So you're telling me, and I want to go back to what you you mentioned this at the beginning. You're telling me it is not standard operating procedure to just post the bracket online randomly on Sunday morning. There, there's supposed to be a set like release of the there, bracket. There used to be. COVID ended that. Used to they'd have the coaches come up. On Sunday mornings, and they'd have this meeting, and Bernard Childress, when he was executive director, would give this 30-minute speech of, you know, this is expectations, these are rules. I guess now they just send that in an email and have said, it's not worth having everybody in the same room. Let's just stay home and save money on gas. Interesting. Um, any thoughts on if – the way technology is now, get people on a live stream or something. Let's yeah. let's make something happen. Let's put it on a big screen. You'd have people watching it, people excited, kind of like a selection show. I mean, this would be um, be cool to watch. Yeah, I mean that would be. I mean, it would be. You get a lot of attraction out of that. But uh, here, here's my other thing. Um, where I was going to ask you, what about Gibson County or Riverside or any anybody on the other side of the bracket? Obviously, you've already kind of said you think Westview or York a winner of that game probably gets to the title game from that side of the bracket. Can Gibson County make a run and perhaps get to the title game themselves after losing to York in the first round last year? Yes, I think Gibson County has is, is got the potential. Um, if Micah Hart continues from the show she has in the postseason, she can make they, they can make a run. Uh, Riverside is very beatable. Um, Huntington beat Riverside by 26 at Christmas. And Ooh. we know that Gibson County's beat Huntington four times now. <clears throat> and here's my other problem. The games we played Saturday night are called sectionals. When we think of Tennessee, we think of the West section, the middle section, and then you can go East and Northeast or whatever. The problem is, is that the sectional is not the best teams coming in West Tennessee coming out. I'm not trying to knock Riverside or Scotts Hill, but they're not as good as Westview, Gibson County, Huntington, and, the, and you know, that grouping. Um, so I, I think to call it a sectional is a bit of a lie. Yeah. It should be the best teams out of the West representing the West, not, well, we got to play Memphis. We're in third So our region is Memphis and our sectional is Memphis, and we're going to beat Manassas 70 to 22 and make it to the state tournament. Yep. Where Huntington's sitting at home 
And they, like I said, they beat Riverside by 26. But because of location, they got put in a obviously a tough district, but their region was tough and sectionals just as tough because I, I would guarantee you Loretto or Summertown would love to have been in Riverside or Scottsdale shoes. Oh, I, right. yeah. <laughs> there is no doubt about that. Let's move on to AAA. Results from the weekend. South Gibson going to the state tournament for the first time ever. They defeat Creekwood 38-36. Jackson Southside cruises past Murfreesboro Central 60-37. Dyersburg annihilates Melrose 95-51. And Dyer County steals one from Fayetteware 61-59 to head back to state. So the bracket, West Tennessee-wise, South Gibson takes on Dyer County. Dyersburg draws Elizabethan. And similarly to 2A, Jackson Southside will face Upperman in a rematch of last year's AAA final where Upperman won 48-43. So here we are again, Michael. Give us the lowdown on the 3A bracket. The 3A bracket is probably the toughest one because you only have four regions represented. Wow. Dyersburg and Dyer County are both in, in Region 7. They're both in District 13. You've got Southside and South Gibson that are both in Region 6. They're both in region in District 12. Wow. You've got Livingston and Upperman that are both in Region 7. Or no, District 7, I'm sorry, uh, which would be Region 4. And then you've got Greenville and Elizabethton out of, I think, Region 1 and in the same district. So you have eight teams, but you have two, four regions. So there were four groups of teams that couldn't play each other. How we get the four region runner-ups in the top and the four region champions in the bottom. Oh, no. Oh, that's a disaster. <laughs> I mean, how? Region Upperman won and Southside won, while Livingston, Greenville, South Gibson, and Dyer County were runner up. What I don't know how that works, but hey, it, it doesn't matter. You're gonna win three games to win it. That's what I'm sticking with. And, and this is my same argument, and this is nothing against Dyersburg or Dyer County, but South Gibson beat Dyersburg easily twice during the regular season. But because Dyersburg played, it, it, their region was against, you know, Munford was the champion and Munford wasn't. They were down this year. And obviously, look at the Melrose score. They were not good. So by winning that region, it was pretty much Dyersburg's going to state. Dyer County had a little tougher road. Fayetteware was a legitimate team uh, and they were able to beat them. But, you know, McNary beat. Dyersburg, I believe, this year, and mm -hmm. they're sitting at home. So it's not yep. the best of West Tennessee being represented up there. It's who can make it through the bracket. And in some instances, you know, let's let's make it through Memphis, which is down in girls basketball overall. Yeah. Well, I, that is just a tra travesty. I, I don't know who uh, – it is just – that is just mm – -hmm. Man, I don't even I don't even have the words right now. That that yes. is bad. That's bad. Uh, I, I mean, 
I mean, I get you can't you, the whole region rule, but surely you can mix it up a little bit to where all the region champions and all the region runner up runners up are not on the same side of the bracket. That is just a tragedy um, of epic proportions, to to say the least. But um, on the other side, for boys, their sectionals or substate, whatever you want to call it, those are tonight in single A, McKenzie hosting Moore County, Middleton hosts Booker T. Washington, and Humboldt travels to Mace. Michael, what do you think of those three games there in single A? Oh, um, I, you know, I think, you know, last year Peabody's boys in the middle of all their turmoil went down and beat Mace at Mace. <clears throat> now MHS closed and a lot of those students went to Mace. Um, but I, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility for Humboldt to go down there and get a win. Um, they, they've got some pieces. Their, their post presence is, is very good um, with Stefan Shivers and Fred Moore. Um, they've got some players underneath. So I think Humboldt has a good chance. I think Middleton easily beats Booker T. Nothing against Booker T, but uh, Middleton is fun to watch. RJ Robinson should be the Mr. Basketball in Class 1A. <clears throat> and, you know, McKenzie-Moore County could be an interesting game. Um, McKenzie's, they've been playing really well recently, though. I mean, the the 10 points over Frank Hughes, you know, beating Perry County by 25, it, it's, it's tough to argue with McKenzie right now. Yeah, McKenzie trying to get back to the state tournament. They obviously got there. A year ago in 2A, Union City on the road to Giles County after a tremendous run they're on right now as, you know, late in the regular season it's carried over into the postseason. Gibson County trying to get to the state tournament boys-wise for the first time in school history. They host Fairview tonight and Bolivar traveling to Memphis Power Center. Any thoughts on the double-A bracket there, Michael? Yeah, it's been a long time since Giles County has been in the state tournament talk. Uh, but here they are. They are in a position um, to host Union City. I mean, Giles County has not advanced to the state tournament since 2011 and hasn't hosted a sectional uh, since 2007. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, you know, how are they going to come out and play? I don't know. I mean, Union City, when when Malachi's hitting, they're, they're tough to beat. Um but going on the road to Giles County will be tough. Uh, Gibson County obviously played one of their most complete games of the season uh, on Thursday when they beat Union City by 14. Uh, a strong coaching performance by uh, Justin Lowry to win that region. And they get to host Fairview. Um, after last year, we know my thoughts on Fairview. We'll just skip over that. Huh. It would be nice for Gibson County boys to make it to state. Uh, you know, I think they've got the pieces this year um, with Ethan Turner in the post, uh, which creates matchup problems. And if Cole Lanham or Matthew Reynolds uh, or Kylan Finch are hitting from the outside, Gibson County is really tough to beat. Yeah. Gonna be I a did lot not of know there was a Memphis Power Center 
That is what it's called. It's yeah, one heck of a school name. That is an incredible school name. Uh, as we wrap up the segment, AAA boys tonight, South Gibson traveling to MLK in Nashville, as Michael told us. Uh, Chester County goes to Murfreesboro Central. Haywood hosting Fayette Ware. Ripley traveling to Ridgeway as we wind down the segment. Michael, any thoughts on the 3A substate games from West Tennessee? You know, there's a lot of a lot of good teams in the West that have a chance to make it to state. You know, South Gibson had a bad quarter against Chester County and couldn't score in the third and just couldn't finish off the comeback. So now they've got to go on the road and play MLK. And I don't think MLK's got any superstars. They, they're very athletic. Uh, so South Gibson's going to have to hit some shots tonight to have a chance. Chester County, I don't think they've hosted a sectional since the mid-90s. Uh, and who would have thought it midseason? Uh, here they are. They're going to host Murfreesboro Central, who everything goes through a good 6'8 guy. So they've got a, a tough one. And Haywood Fayetteware, if I could be anywhere tonight and didn't have to work, that would be a, that would be a game to watch. Tylen Chapman, uh, a Mr. Basketball finalist going against Damari Yates for Fayetteware, who's had a double-double in every single game this season. Uh, but hey, wow. he's beating them twice. Um, that's it, there's gonna be a lot of fun games tonight, yeah. Gonna be a ton of fun to see how it unfolds. We'll know who the boys' state tournament bracket is next. We gotta week. get his picks. We gotta get his picks. Who is winning the state championship and the girls? We got the bracket set, Jordan. Huh. <laughs> Look. They ask you for picks. I mean, I'm we're just asking too. I mean, you come on our show, we're gonna ask for picks. That's just that's just how it goes. I mean, uh, I've been I've been I've been toying with them and talking last night um, to, to some girls basketball people I know. And in Class One A, I say McKenzie over Wayne County in a repeat of last year. Okay. In Two A, I say it's going to be Westview. Over Gatlinburg Pittman. Oh, okay. In 3A. Back to back for Westview. And McKenzie, yeah. And McKenzie, yeah. I'm going. Uh oh. Be smart. Don't do it, Michael. Don't do it. Don't do it. I don't want to do the tomahawk chop. (laughs) But I'm going with those dirty birds from Southside. (laughs) Overlivingston Academy. <laughs> and foray, I'm going Bearden over Bartlett. Oh man! For the first time in the history of Michael Odom picks, he has picked Southside to win something. No, why didn't you no, pick? No, 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 don't say that. Why did? Why didn't you pick Northside? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Wait, can I pick Southside boys? To, oh, wait, I can't. <laughs> oh, there it is. Oh, Freshmen and sophomores, man. No juniors and seniors. Give Number up. one team going into the district tournament and then go 0 for 3. That is true. But they're young. 14 and 15 year olds, man. They'll be back. They'll be back. Man. At least Northside did win one game in the postseason. <laughs> oh, man. Over Southside. Southside, yeah. Ooh. You got to get one while they're down. I mean, it's. Man. It's all good. No, no. In Northside's regional quarterfinal, their big guy, Malik Curry, had 41 points, 14 rebounds, and nine blocks, and they lost. Explain that to me. <laughs> Man, the uh, the barbs are flying here today. 
Uh, we'll take yeah. a break. We will come back. We'll quickly touch on some conference tournament action from college basketball, and then we'll come back and wrap up the show with the stock market. Stay tuned. More coming after this on the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-sized cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex, Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at jerrywardautoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't dream it, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Segment four on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex as we hurdle toward March Madness. Tickets are being punched, and a lot of the mid-major conferences have begun that, and that's, this, that's what's always cool about this time of year because it means so much more to these smaller schools who, you know, these one-bid leagues who, you know, they're not guaranteed tomorrow. Every game matters to them in these conference tournaments, and we kind of got a glimpse of that over the weekend. Uh, Farley Dickinson picked up the win. They won the NEC with a 70-50 to win over St. Francis, so they are headed to the dance. Southeast Missouri wins four games in four days to win the OVC tournament. Their first appearance since 2000. They survived a wild finish with Tennessee Tech in overtime, including a game-tying shot at the end of regulation. UNC Asheville storms back from 14 down to win the Big South over Campbell. They're back to the tournament for the first time since 2016, led by Tennessee transfer and Knoxville native Big South player of the year, Drew Pember, averaging 20.9 points per game and 9.4 rebounds per game. Uh, Drake crushes Bradley 77-51 to to win the NVC. They're back to the tournament for the thir- second time in three years, and Kennesaw State defeats Liberty 67-66 in the A-Sun final the first appearance in the D1 era for the Owls. So a lot of fun conference tournament ball over the weekend. Gentlemen, any thoughts on those those results there? Getting to uh, getting to watch the OVC tournament, a little bit of that, and watching SEMO do what they did, four, day, four games, four wins in four days. Pretty impressive, um, you know, and that was, that was fun to watch. That was an insane game. Um, there's a couple of different times you thought the game was over. Tech came back uh, and ended up tying it with a crazy shot at the end that, uh, Summer still arguing was a three because he did jump um, and have one leg on the ground. One of them was behind the three-point line. The other one was in the air. If it would have been called a three, which it was initially, the game would have been over. Tech would have been headed to uh, the NCAA tournament. So, what a what a uh, what a game for the for the highest drama. The one game that punches your ticket. Of course, that's the one that's going to have the highest drama. Which it seems like that's always the case. But when you you look at these teams, I mean, Fairleigh Dickinson, Southeast Missouri, UNC Asheville, Drake. Kennesaw State. I mean, these are some some teams that obviously are uh, we're not used to seeing a lot of these names in the tournament. So you just have to wonder if any of these guys can figure out a way to uh, to win that first round game and and make some noise. Will uh will they be upsetting Michigan State in the first round like MTSU, Michael? Wow, I thought I took a shot. And hey, look at no. listen to this. Listen to this. I mean, no. <laughs> well, let me let me ask this. Actually, is MTSU going to be in there? I really don't know. I haven't heard anything about Michigan State at all this year. I mean, I really haven't. Yeah, they're in. Yeah, I think they're in. Um, they've struggled here recently, ever since the shooting on campus. Um, 
you know, they went to Michigan and lost, and they, you know, but then they beat Indiana. It's just been a roller coaster uh, here at the end of the season. So you, you never know. But usually, when you count Michigan State out, that's when they're successful. Yeah. And when they're re- they're supposed to be really good, that's when they're not very successful. I'm so- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I had to do it. Too easy, too easy for the Spartans um, because I may or may not have picked them to win the whole thing that year with Denzel Valentine and uh, MTSU had had other other plans to destroy all of our brackets. John, John, the balls have not been very good as of late, so we probably shouldn't be talking. We to probably them. shouldn't, but. Uh, Anyway, uh, the big, the Power Five conference tournaments will start. A lot of these start on Wednesday. The ACC tournament starts actually tomorrow. The Big 12 top four seeds you've got Kansas, Texas, Kansas State, and Baylor in the Big East. Marquette, the top seed, led by Memphis native Cam Jones. Um, the ACC tournament starts tomorrow. Miami is the top overall seed with Virginia, Clemson, and Duke rounding out the other. Top four seeds. The Pac-12 tournament has UCLA, Arizona, USC, Oregon as the top seeds. The SEC features Alabama, Texas A&M, Kentucky, and Missouri. The Big Ten tournament, I haven't seen any final seeding. Michael, you're the Big Ten guy. Do you know the top four seeds in that tournament uh, that starts on Wednesday? Oh, you would ask me that. Um, I have seen it. I don't remember who it we'll is. We'll come back to it. That that conference has been so crazy. I will say the SEC, looking at that bracket and how it's set up, obviously Alabama, A&M, Kentucky, Missouri being the top four seeds. I think uh, when you're a team like Tennessee, who's got you know the top two defense in the league and, and or in the country, maybe number one now. I know it was definitely first or second over the course of the year. Uh, and you're not a top four seed in the conference. That speaks volumes to how good the conference is, but it also speaks volumes to the fact that the the balls can't score. That's, yes, that's the, that's the other part. Um, and there's a chance that Tennessee and Vanderbilt could meet in the SEC championship. Now, how wild would that be? Because Vanderbilt's been playing some good basketball as of late. Your top four seeds in the Big Ten are <laughs> Purdue is the one, Northwestern is the two, Indiana the three, <laughs> and the greatest program on earth is four. The greatest program on earth is is behind yeah. Northwestern. I didn't North no, did North, North Northwestern has a basketball team. I, I never hear about them. I mean, I guess they do this year. <laughs> Will the Spartans win the Big Ten? I feel like Northwestern plays basketball outside. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we have to play Purdue in the semis with their big seven foot Ebony that killed us. <laughs> At home for thirty-five. Uh, he's going to drop thirty. He's that's guaranteed. He's, yeah. he's he's a great player. Anything else stick out from these other tournaments? And uh, obviously, the Big Twelve kind of interests me. There, there is so much depth in that conference too. And obviously, Texas, Kansas, there. Baylor's been really good. Um, but what any of these other brackets stand out as we get ready for to punch some tickets this week? I hate that conference tournaments are the same week as girls' state tournament. Yeah, because as busy as I'll be, I'm gonna have to miss, except for watching highlights at night when I get back to the hotel room. Yeah, that is the unfortunate, uh, the unfortunate thing. And I thought about this too, Michael. If Union City wins tonight, they will be playing next Thursday, which coincides with opening day of March Madness. So, um, we'll You'll love that. I will. Yeah, I will be torn on that day. Um, torn heavily. You'll make so. it. I'll make it. Jordan, anything else stick out as we get ready to take another break? A&M wins the SEC tournament. Whoa. Really? Yeah. 
Anybody but Alabama wins the SEC tournament. Yeah. You don't even think Alabama is going to win it, even with their uh, gun-toting Brandon Miller. Um, I think Alabama, the way Kentucky's playing, is probably another hot pick. Um, Tennessee, if they can score, it's probably, a few people may take them. But I think a and that team that people don't really know how good they are or they don't have enough confidence in them. But I feel like over the last few weeks they've really turned it on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a sleeper pick and take A&M to win the SEC. Okay. Kentucky always turns it up. I just they're playing good right now. They are playing really good right now. Um, I'm gonna say Kansas probably wins the Big 12. Um, I'm gonna say Virginia wins the ACC. I'll take Arizona in the Pac 12 and then Purdue in the Big 10. That's kind of where I'm I'm thinking just shoot throwing darts right now. There you go. There you go. Yeah, throwing some darts. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back with the stock market and wrap up the show after this on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Auto Play. Are you looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams? It's the Hawks Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. On Mondays, $3 well shots and $1 90 light cans. Also, weekly cornhole tournaments with $10 blind draws. Sign ups at 6 and bags fly at 7. Titsy Tuesdays, trivia night, $2 well tequila shots, $2 90 cans, 2 for 1 well shots, and also $2 tacos. Wednesday, wing Wednesday with 50 Sent wings karaoke on Thursday and each and every weekend live music. So be sure to stop by and support your favorite local bands at the Hawks Nest at 105 Church Street in Martin. Final segment of the show today on the Tri State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Uh, a couple of high school basketball ones as we start the stock market buying or selling different propositions, takes. Uh, lists when we have them, different things of that nature. I saved one here for Michael Odom, and I believe it was Tom Krieger who actually kind of threw this idea out there. But Tennessee high school basketball should eliminate the district tournament and go straight to the region tournament, taking the top four basically from from your district, send them to the region, and it's elimination games until the region championship game. Do you guys buy or sell that notion? I am buying it. Uh, I, I think the, if it, well, let me say this. If we're going to keep four classes or more, I, I'm buying it. Because district tournaments, all they do is rearrange teams. Yes. Because there's so many four-team districts or five teams with a bad team, i.e. Milan girls this year, it, nothing changed. Let's make the regular season mean something and put those seeds to go into a region tournament and go from there. Jordan. I agree. I think it would I think it would be better. I mean, he mentioned it earlier about it kind of making the, the postseason longer. Uh, and in the district tournament now and a lot of a lot of districts are four teams, so you know you're in there. You know you're in the you know you're in the region tournament, no matter yeah. what, no matter how bad you are. So it's uh it's definitely pointless. I don't understand a tournament where nobody gets eliminated. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like how how do you play a full tournament and nobody's season is over? You know, yeah. it just doesn't if there's four teams is what I'm talking about. So it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's where I've been with this, you know, especially seeing the way Union City's district has played out. I mean, it, there's been a pretty clear hierarchy the last couple of years on both sides. Um, and like Michael said, really the district tournament just kind of serves to to rearrange it. And, you know, maybe somebody pulls off an upset, but at the end of the day, everyone's going to play tomorrow anyway. So to me, in, in the, the, in the, I don't know what the word I'm trying to find here is 
in the name of trying to say, salvage the regular season, make it mean something, you know, take the top four from the district, you know, in whatever order they finish, and then, you know, your three and the four go on the road, your one and the two host, and then obviously you determine based on region which region is hosting, your number one seed would host the region tournament. I, I think that's genius because then, you know, for two rounds, you're eliminating teams, and then you're obviously going straight into the region championship in, in sub-state, and, and that, I think, at least makes it more competitive in the regular season. I, I think that's a great idea because otherwise it's so, you know, we've, we've talked about it. You devalue the, the regular season as it stands. Uh, buy or sell, two West Tennessee girls teams are going to bring home a gold ball this week. Michael, we'll start with you. I'm buying it. Uh, I think McKenzie, Westview, and Southside all have good chances. So to say two of them wins, I, I'd go with it. Jordan. Well, one's a lock, so all, all I need is all I need is Westview or everybody. I, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I mean, I, I may sound crazy here today. I think Gibson County's got a, a shot because of the side of the bracket they're on, and we, they've shown they can beat Westview. So, if it comes down to that later in the obviously in the title game, so I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy this. I mean, I definitely Southside's a lock, as we all know, and then Westview's got to find a way. McKenzie possibly, and maybe even Gibson County. I throw Gibson County in the conversation. I think we're been a little too hard on the Lady Pioneers here. I think they got a shot. Well, with 11 teams spread across three classifications, I mean, I certainly think it's very possible. Um, I'm going to buy because, I mean, I think Westview, to me, is the best out of all of those. And then, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I do. They're the best team I've probably laid eyes on girls-wise. I think they have the best chance. And then Southside or McKenzie have great chances, too. So one of those two will win it. And I, I tell you what, the, the the one concern with Westview for me is they don't have the post presence this year. That's true. Yeah, that's the one concern with me. That is that is a concern to keep an eye on. Uh, let's go to some college basketball. I saw this take from a, a former guest of the show, Chad Withrow. A computer algorithm should determine NCAA tournament seeding because one of the arguments he kind of made with this take was a lot of times the the the, the selection committee, you know hammers teams because of an injury that happened during the conference tournament or they're trying to project what will happen. And his he says, just let a computer decide, seed the teams, and then obviously you can organize the bracket as you need to organize it. But stri strictly on this, the, the grounds of seeding, you let a computer algorithm do that, buy or sell that notion. I'm selling it. I don't, I don't want a computer determining who's going where. I don't know. I don't like that at all. You don't like it. Jordan. I do think they already probably use a computer to figure out, okay, what all is this team done? There's no way they're watching all these games. They're not as good as Michael Odom. They can't keep up with that much information at one time. Um, but I will say this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard because I, I don't – and I like Chad. I mean, I, I'm glad he came on the show, but I, I don't I don't understand that at all. I, I don't because that kind of takes out the point of throughout the season. I, I guess you could get the computer to push you out of – first four, last four, all that stuff. But um, I do think there's times, John, where they show favoritism and there's times where they punish teams for injuries and things like that. But I still don't like this. So I, I'm selling it as well. I think his notion is is to – I had the point kind of lined up in my head, but I can't remember what I was going to say now. But <laughs> I, I think what we're trying to get – what he's trying to get at is we're punishing teams because someone gets hurt in, in the regular seat. What you've that. done – what you've done, your resume has to matter. And if you give 
a blind resume. You don't put a team on it. You don't put a brand on it. You just say team A is 25 and seven. They've beaten five top 10 teams. This is their record on the road. These are their net ratings. Where do they need to be seated? And let the computer spit it out. And that notion I buy. I I think that would be smart because we do have biases with the committee. Um, and, And that's where I would kind of agree with Chad in this regard, at least. Now, I don't know about doing the whole thing that way, but I, I see where he's coming from. Or you're going to say something, Jordan? No, I'm a, I got a, I got one for the NFL when we get to the bottom here. Okay. Um, college basketball conference tournaments should allow only the top eight to ten teams to get in, similar to what the OVC does. Michael, do you buy or do you sell? It's a little tough. Um, I would say sell. I, I like the, the underdog and, and the chance to make a run. I know it rarely happens, but – when it does, it's it's fun to watch. Okay, Jordan. Uh, probably sell. You like keeping the big tournament field. I, I, yes, because yes, yeah, probably sell. I'm gonna sell too. I like having just the basketball during the day. I love when you when you get to flip it on. It's like 11 a.m. game, and you just get to sit there and watch it all afternoon. I, I just think there's something so much fun about that. Um, and I certainly think that that should stay. Um, let's do one more college basketball. We'll get to Jordan's NFL one, and then we will close out the show. So the metric, this is something I, I came across, a note that, uh, that I thought was interesting. 18 of, the past in, 18, 18 of the past 20 NCAA tournament winners have finished in the top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. As of Sunday, there are four teams who qualify for that metric. They are Houston. Alabama, UConn, and Texas. So do you buy or sell that one of those four will win the title at the end of the season, Michael Odom? I, I, I sell. Oh, um, I can feel. With the whole Brandon Miller situation, uh, Alabama stock is, is falling. I, I, think, yes. I, I think there's some cracks in the foundation, and it's showing as time progresses. I so, you know, I, I think that's going to – I think they're going to lose when they shouldn't. Okay. Um, so, I would sell. It's hard, to, it's hard to go against the numbers, 18 out of 20. Yeah. Of the last – I mean, that's – 90%. It's mean, pretty strong, man. That's pretty strong. But I, I'm going to do it, too. I, I'm not – I'm not too – if there was two or three teams in here that I thought had a good chance, I'd say yes. But Alabama and Houston – and UConn's been decent. And I, I just don't think Texas can get it done. But – Alabama and Houston will be the two that I think have the best chance, but with what Alabama's going through and Houston's been inconsistent at times, I'm going to take the field as well. Well, and here's the other thing, too. This is not final. This is just as of yesterday when I'm putting this together. So, I mean, it could change this week during the conference tournament. We can revisit this next week, Jordan, when we kind of, you know, we'll have the bracket Sunday and we'll get to sit down and actually look at it. So, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll know more after the conference tournaments are done, but that was as of yesterday where, where those four teams, fit that metric i'll sell i mean look i know 18 to 20 but you know i'm taking the field right now and uh that's just kind of where i would sit because it's been so crazy this year anybody on any any day can uh, can get a win jordan let's wrap it up with your nfl notion here is Derek carr now the top quarterback or a top two quarterback in the nfc if you factor in the fact that aaron Rodgers may retire Who's better than Derek Carr in the NFC? Stafford, Cousins, Hurts after one good year, maybe Dak, maybe Kyler. Is Derek Carr now in the top two in the NFC 
if Aaron Rodgers retires? I would sell. Um, I still would take Hurts over him. I think I think Cousins and Carr are comparable. I think you can intermingle those. I think Murray is comparable. Um, I think it's pretty wild to think about, though. He, it he, is he wild. I think that, you he, could say top five. Um, he left the division. He left the division with definitely two quarterbacks that were way better than him. Yes. And now you're going to a conference where you could be a top two or three quarterback. I mean, if you play the best you can, obviously. You I, I mean, I, I think. I mean, I think Hurts after last year, right now, you have to say will be the number one quarterback in the NFC. Now, obviously, that could change next year. Well, that says think, a lot because he just had yeah. one really good year, and he's yeah. already, you know. But I think Prescott, Murray, Carr, Cousins—they're all kind of in that same. They're probably when you did a, a rankings of, of NFL quarterbacks, you're going to find them between. 10 and 20, 10 and 15, you know, they're kind of interchangeable. They're all about the same to me. So you can make the argument. I think it's more safe to say top five. Michael, what do you think? I say we send Derek Carr into a darkness retreat for four days and see what he comes up with. (laughs) (laughs) I buy. Uh, I think that I think in that system, Derek could be very successful. Oh, man. Jordan, you're set. your, Your thought there. You brought it up. What do you think? I mean, I, I think he's in the top two or three in the NFC. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't – that's just not – as far. I mean, there's there's guys that are comparable, but they all might be on that same line at two or three. Yeah. There's yeah. not a lot of guys that I think are just that much better. Yes. He may be tied for second or third. I'll say that. But yeah, I well, yeah, I, I'll give you that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's a lot of guys that are ahead of him. No. Yeah. <clears throat> One show today. Michael, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been a thrill to have you back. It was fun to be on. Good luck down at South Gibson. Go Hawks. Let me get a go Hawks, Michael. Let me get a go Hawks. Let's let's not. (laughs) Oh, man. Indians are coming. Oh, Lord. That's going to do it. Time Time for the Indians to get some hits. There you go. That's going to do it for our show today here on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. For myself, John Thornton, for Jordan Taylor, for Michael Odom, for joining us. Thanks to him. And thank all of you for watching and listening wherever you did. We'll have this show probably posted tomorrow. I doubt I'll get to it today. Um, Obviously, I've got to hit the road right after lunch to uh, get to Pulaski. So I hope you'll be patient with us there. But uh, thanks again for watching and tuning in. Good afternoon and good morning, I guess, still. And God bless from the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Auto Flags.